before him just now. Lord God, you are the Lion of Judah, the Lamb that was slain. We give you all praise and glory and honor today. Lord, we just want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray, we plead actually, uh, that as your word is open, that it will uh, just pierce deep into our minds, into our hearts, and it will transform our very lives. We will walk out of this place a little bit different, a little bit more like Jesus than when we came in. We know that's your goal. Lord, we pray that that would be our goal as well. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, just want to say happy Father's Day. Yes, it's okay to applaud the fathers. Amen. And uh, we are going to, uh, we're going to continue uh, part two of, uh, of uh, Pastor Philip's sermon from a couple weeks ago. And, and so, but to recap part one, let's read together Psalm 1 and, and 2 uh, together today, all right? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, 
nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Allow this song to help that sink into our spirits today, all right? Ancient words. on God's Word day and night, and we realize more and more what the theologians call the Bible is Christocentric. It's Jesus is there from the beginning to the end, and this song reminds us of that. It's not about me. It's about Christ in me.
sing this with every breath. With every breath, I long to follow Jesus, for he has said that he will bring me home, and day by day, I know he will renew me, until I stand with joy before the To this I hope. in me, the hope of glory. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we just come before you now. We ask that you uh, bless this time of offering. It's a time of giving back to you what you blessed us with, Lord. May we be cheerful givers. May every cent go to further your kingdom and for your glory and your honor. And may uh, boys and girls, men and women uh, in Ozark and in this region and around the world come to Christ because of our faithful giving today. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Yes, give the Lord praise. Amen. It's all about the power of Christ. Well, that leads me to this thought. Um, it's easy to sing. It's all about the power of Christ at 1030 on Sunday morning. And then 1030 Monday morning, something happens. And we think it's all about what I can accomplish. Right? Don't fall into that trap. Guys especially. Dads especially. You, you can't lead well enough. You're not strong enough. Only Christ in you. Amen? And that's what this next song reminds us of. Lord, I need. There's a lot of guys in here who aren't quite ready to say that. Amen? Because we're guys. Urgh. But we've got to have Christ.
just make that a song. Let's bow together. As the choir and orchestra can be dismissed, let's just go to the Lord in prayer and let's pray for every husband in here right now. And husbands, you just cry out to God right now and ask for the strength that you need to be the man you need to be. pray for every father in here today. And dads, you pray, crying out to God, Lord, make me the, the father I need to be. Lord, we want to be the men you've called us to be. Help us, Lord. We need you. Well, good morning, and I will say Happy Father's Day to you as well. It is uh, more challenging every day to be a father, isn't it? You think when you get my age at 52, it'll get easier. No, it doesn't, right? And I'm sure it doesn't for you as well, but we are thankful for the Word of God that is enduring and that we cling to. 
Um, I don't know if you think about this often, but we're blessed at this church. I think about <clears throat> spending uh, eight days or so with a group of folks in a foreign country. And I, I told them one night when we were in Guatemala, we don't need to take for granted how blessed we are as a church. Good people who love the Lord. And uh, this year in particular, for me, probably met my biblical expectations more than any trip I've ever been on, uh, on the foreign mission field. And I was so thankful to the Lord uh, for being a part of that and the work that was done and the vision, I think, that our mission team has over there in Guatemala, I think is second to none. And I'm so grateful to have been a part of that one. And uh, one day soon, we'll probably report on our first trip. Probably wait till after our second one in August. But uh, to all of you that went on that trip, thank you for giving of your time and the efforts. And thank you, church family, for praying for us. We were grateful for that. Psalm chapter 1. As you turn there, uh, we're blessed as well with uh, a music guy who is word-saturated. Call him music guy, whatever you want to call him. I call him an elder right? Because that's what he is. But, uh, whew, I, I thought it was time to rapture for me on the front row listening to those songs and how they were word-centered and Christ-centered. And I told you that you can't read Psalm 1 without reading Psalm 2. Those are the gateway psalms. As a matter of fact, I told you a variant reading in Acts 13 actually calls Psalm 2, Psalm 1. So, you have to put these two together. Again, blessed is the man. Chapter 1, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 12. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. And who's the him? It's Christ. So, that, that there's an envelope there to put together what a blessed man is. It's one who, Psalm 1, extols the word of God. And Psalm 2... It is the person who kisses the sun, verse 12, and takes refuge in Christ. So Psalm 1 and 2, exalt the word of God and how central it is for us. And Psalm 2 exalts the Savior. There is a peculiar role that the scripture gives for husbands and fathers. Uh, I thought this week and I prayed, Lord, uh, should I preach something different than Psalm one, when it comes to Father's Day, and I thought, oh, Lord, you just firmly rebuked me. Is there anything more important than a firmly planted, flourishing, fruitful man of God? Is there anything more important in our day than that? And so this is what the text is going to ask us to do. So fathers bear a peculiar, response, a peculiar responsibility for the moral and spiritual family life so this morning I urge you to take that responsibility seriously fathers and that you be the kind of man who gives hope and happiness and confidence to your children because you yourself have found your ultimate hope and happiness and confidence in God I can't encourage you enough dads that your confidence in the Lord will trickle down to your children. But if you don't have it, it won't. 
There'll be no confidence in your family in the power and sovereignty of God if you yourself don't possess it. Confidence, hope in God. So the most important work that a father can do for the sake of his children is to be converted. Is to know the Lord. And the second most important thing that you can do or the strategy, I might say, for rearing your children is that you are a new man in Christ. That's the strategy. Uh, whose hope and happiness and confidence are in God and not himself. Fathers fail to be happy. The fathers who fail to be happy and hopeful in God, confident in God, uh, are fathers that will not leave a legacy to their children like they should. It's the fathers who do have this confidence and hope in God that do. So fathers, what are... What you are in relation to God is far more important than any particular parenting technique that I can give you this morning. Will our children hope in God or will they hope in money? Will our children hope in God or will they see us hoping and more happier than ever on the golf course or fishing than we are in a worship service? Children take notice of that. Don't they? It's kind of quiet in here. What, what kind of preaching did y'all get while I was gone, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Will your children be confident in God if your whole demeanor communicates that your desire is to be seen as self-confident and not God-confident? So we began a study last week in Psalm 1 and 2. And this week we're going to continue that. I want to bring this together as a challenge in particular to our fathers but no one's excluded from Psalm 1 this morning, right? Uh, wives, moms, uh, single ladies, single men, children, no one's excluded. But in particular, I want to laser focus toward our dads from this. Last time we focused on the spiritual condition of the blessed man. Three things he does not do. Walk in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of the scornful. One thing he does do. Amen? The light in the law of God, in the word of God. So there is a little book called the Family Worship Bible Guide. You ever heard of that? Raise your hand. All right, you haven't? There are four editors that combine to give this guide, and I looked it up this week, what they would say about Psalm 1 and the family. And Here's what it says. Believers should be the happiest people. For we know God and his wonderful love. We know his covenant promises. We know abundant pardon. We, know we have his strong comfort in our lives. And we have his abiding presence. Now think about Psalm 1. We have sorrows, don't we? But we have no reason to be miserable. Although we're tempted to enjoy the company of the pleasures of the world. Counsel. Sit in the seat. Stand in the way. Right? God's grace makes believers different from the world. And allows us to derive our enjoyment from the word of God and the spirit of God. And what does that do? It promotes holiness in us. He goes on to say, on judgment day we will escape the wrath of God. That's good news. And the text speaks of the fact that the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the ungodly shall perish. On that day we will escape the wrath of God and discover how he's watched over us in love all our days. 
we realize that Christ is supremely the man who was blessed. Don't miss this. There is no fulfillment from us in Psalm 1 to live like this apart from Christ. He was supremely the blessed one. I'm not going to look these up for the sake of time. I said this morning, Lord, help me give a gift to our fathers like I did our mothers and make the sermon shorter. Remember when I said that? I'm going to give you mothers a gift today, make it shorter. I'm trying to do that this morning. But David made it tough on me the way he sang and led us to preach longer, right? Psalm 72, 17, just write that down, talks about the truly blessed one. And it's referring to Christ in Psalm 72, 17. He's the king separated from sinners. Hebrews 7, 26 is that fulfillment. He himself was engaged in keeping the law of God and did it perfectly. Psalm 40, verses 7 through 8. He actually becomes the fruitful and flourishing tree nurtured by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 11, 1 through 2. And he is full of good works. Isaiah 4, verse 2. And Acts 10, 38. I tell you all that to tell you this. If you are in union with the Lord Jesus Christ today, by a, real, real precise words, by a spirit worked faith you too can be fruitful you too can have the fullness of life like this text says fathers Psalm 1 is true prosperity it's really the only prosperity that God sees as prosperity firmly planted by the rivers of water this is confidence in God this is confidence in his word and I trust that you realize That the blessed man meditates on the word of God. He learns the promises of God. Look how unique this is. Psalm 3, verse 3. But you, O Lord, are my shield about me. Who wrote Psalm 3? I told you the superscriptions in Hebrew is the first verse of the psalm. So this one says a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. That's the first verse in the Hebrew. Okay? So this is David, and he says, Lord, you're my shield. Where did David learn that? He learned it from the word of God. He meditated on it. Why? Because Genesis 15, 1, he says to Abraham, I am your shield. So David learned something about God. The same God that was faithful to Abraham is the same God that's going to be faithful to me. Confidence. Straight from the Word of God. Folks, I can't encourage you enough to be in the Word of God. That's where you get your confidence. Okay, set that aside. You ready for the two points today? This is for fathers and everybody else in here. Number two, the blessed man delights in the Word of God, yielding fruitful results. So David read for us, or you did, uh, 1, 1, and 2. We preached that a couple of weeks ago. If you've forgotten that one, check it on. You can listen to it, all right, with all that technology stuff that you guys are good at, and I'm not. All right, verse 3. He is like a fruitful results, right? The blessed man delights in the word of God, yielding fruitful results. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. That's true prosperity. Verse 4. The wicked are not so but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Verses 5 and 6 gives us a summation of the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. Therefore, the wicked will not stand 
in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So first, the blessed man delights in the word of God. Keep in mind that this is building, but he delights in the law of the Lord, and a result of that, he's meditating on it day and night, so we have to have the same connection. Just as there, here are three negatives that you will not do if you're a believer, or, or that you should not do if you're a believer, right? But this, it begins with a negative so you can see the positive. He will do one thing, and that's delight in the Word of God. But that delight in the Word and meditation in the Word is what produces a firmly planted man or woman of God. Or child of God. That's what produces it. So, the blessed man who delights in the Word of God is described as a fruit-bearing tree. Free from the destruction of drought. Boy, howdy, do we have some drought in the U.S. Do we have instability everywhere we look? So Psalm 92, verses 12 through 14, you don't have to turn there. I have it marked for the sake of time to get there fast. But here's what it says in Psalm 92. Very similar wording. Listen to the word of the Lord. Verse 12, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. Hey, gray hairs in here. You're not done when you've retired. You're just getting started. Don't stop living until you die. Why? Because the scripture says you bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. We should walk up to one another. Right? You're still full of sap. Right? And you're green. And you ought to be producing for the glory of the Lord. All right. So comparative text to tell us what that means. So there, there's this terminology of describing the righteous of being like trees planted in the house of the Lord. We know that the vine imagery runs throughout the Old and New Testament. Remember that the nation of Israel was referred to as a vine. And then the quintessential vine, the only true vine, was who? Jesus Christ, John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Think about how important that is. You bearing fruit is proof that you're in union with Christ. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the proof is in the union with the vine. If you're not vitally connected to the vine and you only have a superficial attachment, you can't bear fruit. So that's proof, but it also produces. If you read John 15, it says you'll bear fruit. Then it says more fruit. And then it says much fruit. All of it depends upon being united vitally in union with Christ. So those who hope in, and have confidence in Christ will be the kind of people that are explained in Psalm 1. What do the streams refer to? They are canals dug to provide irrigation. Why is this necessary? Because of the dry climate that you would have in Israel. So this imagery was in their mind. In this case, what is the canal with streams of water? It's the Word of God. Do you understand? You're going to be in spiritual drought without the Word. Desire the pure milk of the Word of God that in it you may grow. It's essential to have the Word. Streams, again... Canals dug for irrigation. 
nourishing your life is the word of God. This kind of tree planted by irrigation canals would thrive. Why? Because it's got well-watered roots. And interesting, it says in its season. In other words, you need to bear fruit at the appropriate time. Are you listening? This is important to hear that. The leaves will not wither from drought. James Hamilton says this image communicates that the man who meditates on the word of the Lord day and night will have a life that bears good fruit at the appropriate time. The truths of God's word sustain him when the leaves of others wilt. You will be sustained and you're only sustained by the word of God. Folks, the streams of water is the word of God. Because your life is anchored in the living word of God, it is free from the destructive powers of spiritual drought. We need the word of God. Charles Spurgeon said this, it brings forth patience in the time of suffering. Anybody suffered this year? If I'm not mistaken, I've probably buried some of your fathers this year. I think I have. You lost a dad this year. Boy, that's difficult. My dad has been in heaven for 22 years. Feels like yesterday. That's tough. Some of you have suffered. Look, you even bear through through those times when you're firmly planted. No matter what the suffering is, Spurgeon got it right. Brings forth patience in time of suffering. How about faith in the day of trial and holy joy in the hour of prosperity? What a vision of a robust, word-saturated life. This is what we have to do. Why? Because when the Word of God is your foundation, then there's no area of life where the Word doesn't touch. There's no area of life when you walk through it that you're not bearing fruit for His glory. Check out the last part of verse 3, Psalm, Psalm 1. In all He does, it prospers. Did I tell you there's a connection with Joshua 1.8? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you observe to do all that is written therein. Then you shall make your way prosperous and have good success. In other words... Through Moses, the Lord says to Joshua, if you're going to be a Joshua kind of man, a God kind of man, then you are meditating on the Word and it brings forth a prosperity. Not prosperity gospel. Not sneeze it, seize it, blab it, grab it, name it, claim it. This is a separate, this is a different kind of prosperity. This is spiritual, right? This is the way God would see a man or a woman in prosperity. So, don't miss the point of connection with Joshua 1.8. This is what the Word of God produces. Young people, I beg of you, be dissatisfied with mediocrity. Fathers, I beg you, be dissatisfied with the mundane, mediocre way which most Americans look at Christianity. I urge you to be dissatisfied with anything that slightly smells of spiritual compromise or moral laxity. Be dissatisfied with mediocrity. Please make sure that the things you long for in life are the things that really matter. Things like being securely, firmly planted like a tree, bearing fruit that's immune from the effects of drought. Do you long for usefulness in the kingdom of God? 
I hope you do, dads, parents, children. We need to long for usefulness in God's kingdom. Could we not benefit from the endurance that is explained here? You know, we're, we're dealing with a tree that's, that's going to endure some things. It's flourishing. It's fl- firmly planted. No matter how difficult the times get, no matter how difficult the drought, <laughs> I had in my mind the picture of a tumbleweed. Just being blown out through the plains in Oklahoma or Kansas. Don't be a tumbleweed. You need to be firmly planted and rooted in the fountain of living water that is fruitful in its season. C.S. Lewis said, God doesn't find our desires too strong. He finds our desires too weak. What a statement. How much are you desiring God? We often struggle because our desires are so easily fulfilled with the mediocre. We don't desire enough to be that firmly rooted tree. We don't desire to bear fruit in the kingdom of God badly enough. Preacher, I got saved when I was nine years old. Made a profession of faith, got dunked, and I go to church most of the time. If that's the way you describe your walk with Christ, you're in trouble. You understand that, right? That's being satisfied with a mediocre. If that ends up being the highest level of a walk that you have with our blessed Savior, that's mediocrity. But that's most people's mentality. I've I've crossed all the T's. I've dotted the I's. I'm going to be okay. I'm fine. Don't you understand that God desires something way more for you than that? He desires for you to be a firmly planted, flourishing, fruitful tree for the glory of God. That's what he desires. He desires something more. Stop being at home with mediocrity. Soak up the word of God and I promise you, you won't settle for mediocrity. Soak up the word. You won't be, you won't feel comfortable With mediocrity. You'll want to serve God. The Bible says here in verse 4. That the wicked are not so. What does that mean? Hear me. The wicked are not like trees firmly planted by streams of water. Is that not what it's saying? The wicked are not like that. The wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. So this picture is very clear. The wicked are not like the firmly planted trees. Rather they are rootless. Weightless and useless. There's no substance to their lives. The wicked waste their lives. The wicked waste their youth. The wicked waste their years. All under the idea. I'm in the prime of my life. I'll, sir, I'll be more in the dregs of the enemy. In other words. I'll play. Until I pass youthfulness. And then I'll get serious. Maybe about this. Submission to Christ thing. Mm. The young person that lives that way will in all likelihood be the person that lives that way when they're old. Right? J.C. Ryle once said this. There was only one thief on the cross that was saved. There was one so that we might not despair. Praise God. But there was only one so that we might not presume, for as a man lives is typically 
how he dies. The wicked are rootless with no substance to their lives at all. How much substance can be in a life where the highest goals and the highest priorities are to just satisfy the desires of the flesh? No substance in that whatsoever. That way of life is fleeting and that way of life is nothing but a vapor. You may think that it's worth living for, but the Bible categorizes that as the wicked way. Something to stop and think about. Blown away like chaff. So right here in this room, I mentioned some gray hairs. I'm getting more every day of those. That know that there was a time in their lives when they were like the chaff that was starting to be blown away. But thanks be to our sovereign king. With a sovereign hand, the harvester reached out and grabbed you. Aren't you thankful? God can change anybody by his grace. So I'd remind all of us. Today, however, that the divine harvester is under no obligation to rescue chaff. He's not obligated to rescue chaff. While today is called today, don't harden your heart against God. Don't do it. It doesn't get any better for the wicked. It doesn't pay to be one of God's enemies. Your arms are way too short to box with God. It doesn't pay. So what will become of the wicked? That's the last contrast. Can y'all take one more verse? Two verses, right? Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So, what the psalmist gives us is quite simple. When he says, wicked will not stand in the judgment, there's a figure of speech that we have for that. And that's this, you won't have a leg to stand on. Because standing means that you've made it through. But that's not going to be true for the wicked. It means you failed and failed miserably. To not be seated in the assembly of the righteous means you won't belong to the righteous. You will not belong there. You have been excluded. Derek Kidner wisely puts it like this. It's the collapse and the expulsion of the wicked. What strong words, folks. Verse 6 gives that summation of the consequences. That is the end of the righteous and the wicked. God knows The way of the righteous. Listen to this. Please remember that our righteousness is only in the one who was truly righteous. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But as you are united in Christ, we're not only granted a righteousness as a gift, imputed righteousness, but we're also transformed into righteous people. We'll have a desire to live this way. So those... Those that God declares righteous are in union with His Son and are also the ones that God is making righteous by the work of His grace in our lives every single day. Our God savingly, hear this, and intimately knows the way of the righteous. Do you find it interesting that it doesn't say the righteous know the way of the Lord? Do they? And should they? From the revealed truth? Yes. But what it says is that the Lord knows the way of the righteous. If you read Galatians 4, Paul will talk about what it means to be known by God. What a blessing to be known by the Lord. So the Lord savingly and intimately knows the way of the righteous. But here's what the text says, the way of the wicked will perish. Did y'all know there's no third way? This text doesn't say anything about the way of the slackard. It only mentions the way of the righteous and the way 
of the wicked. Whew, I have to say this to you, but if you think there's going to be a moment in time where you are the marvelous exception to these categories, I want you to know you're going to be wrong. There's only two, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. You will not be an exception. There's only the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. If you're on the way of the wicked, then here's something awesome for you, right? The Son of God came into this world to die and to pay the penalty for wicked people. That was all of our conditions. He came into the world to bear the punishment of rebels and sinners. To him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. Aren't you thankful for the truth of Scripture? So you may have come into this place today on the path of the wicked, but you can leave here forgiven by Christ and on your way to glory. That's what the Bible teaches. There is no gift as precious as the gift of the new birth, being made alive in Christ. It comes by God's Spirit. It contains a new beginning, all because of the gospel. The forgiveness of sins comes because of Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. It comes with a righteous status because Jesus Christ himself, who fulfilled a, a threefold office, prophet, priest, and king, he gives unto you his perfection when you trust him. It comes with the acceptance of God and eternal life. This is the best gift of all. You know, folks, you don't have to work for it, and you can't earn it. It's yours to receive. How? By faith alone. So if you're in the category of what God calls wicked, this is the best news ever. You don't have to leave here in the category of the wicked. You may have come here under condemnation, but you can leave this place being justified. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. So here's my challenge to you fathers. Are you ready? And everyone else in between. Delight in God's word. Demonstrate that delight by reading and memorizing and meditating on God's word. Be under the word of God as it is taught and preached. The greatest discipleship tool given to the church by God is the preaching of the word. We like to talk about little small groups, this, that, and the other. I get it. Do you need that? Yes. But you, by necessity, are wired when you delight in the Word to want to hear the Word of God expounded. You delight in the preaching of the Word. So if you have failed to delight in God's Word, can I be real nice and just tell you, repent? I have to do it all the time, and I'm a preacher. We get, we're guilty of sermonizing. Because everything I look at, I'm like, whoo, how's that going to preach? And you can easily get diverted away from reading a devotional book like Man of Sorrows, King of Glory. I just dropped that line for you because you ought to buy that book and read it. Woo, Miss Pam Trotter. She's trying to help me be a good theologian, right? So she drops these books on my desk. And I think it's Alistair Begg's. I think some of them flow through that word of truth. And every time I see one, I'm like... Oh, yeah, get to read another book. So in Guatemala, I was reading this book, and boy, helps you meditate on the person of Christ. 
man of sorrows, king of glory. Pick it up and read it. Be under the word. Read the word. Lord, I've not cherished your word like I should. Help me, Father, to take inventory of my own life and my delight in the word. Folk, men, you've got to start somewhere. Stop being a pansy. Seriously, you've got to start somewhere. You, if you fail delight to delight in the word of God, just ask repentance. Help me see the stuff that is in my life. That pull of the counsel of the ungodly. Standing in the way of sinners. Sitting in that pull from the world. Lord, help me not have those things crowd out. My delight in the word. This is the word of God, folks. It's the bread of life. It's profitable. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it's God breathed. And it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Don't forget the next verse. Verse 17. That the man of God may be thoroughly. Ooh, this sounds like a planted tree. Firmly. In the word of God. That God is working in you through his word. Every single word is God breathed. It's profitable. Take inventory. Ask the Lord to help you receive the word. Ask the Father to help you push the things out of your life. That are keeping you from truly delighting in the word. Here's what Tom Askell wrote. Boy this is good. An inerrant Bible that remains unread and unheeded is no more. No better than one that is filled with errors. <laughs> what a statement. What difference does it make if the word of God is infallible and inerrant if you're unwilling to give it to yourself and study it? We need to cultivate. We love to say the Bible's the word of God. When's the last time you've opened it up? When's the last time you read it and memorized it? We need to cultivate a mentality for biblical precepts and teachings because the Word of God is so accessible today, I think it's easier to neglect it. I believe this. It seems that the more the, more the Bible becomes accessible to us, the more we neglect it. What a travesty. Paul says, discipline yourself for the purpose of of godliness. If you delight in his word. Or should I say it this way. If you're lacking in delight for the word. <clears throat> then pray that God Almighty will help you. Mm, it's Father's Day. So I'm trying to figure out how nice I should be to fathers. I'm trying to decide whether I should talk about the subject of men saying. Preacher I just don't like to read. Should I talk about that? Well let me just be short and to the point. God has chosen to reveal himself through a book. Are you listening? Not a movie on TV. Is it okay audibly to listen to the word of God? Yes. Yes, it is. But please hear me, gentlemen. For you just to use an excuse like, I just, I don't like to read. Get over it. I'm begging you. You got to start somewhere. You read sports, you knucklehead. I know you. I know the Cardinals. They just plumb out stink this year, right? <clears throat> but you check it. You check the score. You can read a caption. You know what's going on. Don't give me that. So here's the deal. Stop whining and start reading. We'll help you. Now, grab a hold to a new living translation. 
It's a thought for thought. It's not wooden literal, but it's very, very good. Not a living Bible. Right? New Living Translation. Get you a copy of it. Read the Word. I mean, I'm so... I had men praying for me this morning in the office. There are men praying as we preach the Word. God is doing great things in our church. And, and I'm so thankful for that. But we've got to be men of the Word. We, we've got to be men and women of the Word. So ask Him to give you a heart for the Word and read it. And then when you wake up the next morning and you think, Boy, I'm not motivated to read it. Read it anyway. And then after that, repent to the Lord. God, give me a desire to read your Word. Read it again. Get up the next morning, you don't feel motivated. Read it anyway. Y'all get the pattern. Look, folks, if that's what plants you by the rivers of water, you got to have it. you got to have This is the resulting stability of a man that is blessed of God in Christ, given the Word of God. Given it, he's given it to you. So if our stability and our fruitfulness in this life are dependent on delighting in the Word of God, then we have to delight in the Word of God. We need to beseech our God to help us with this. If our men in this church continue to be, and I say continue because we're on the way. God is blessing this particular church. Don't take it for granted. I believe we are on the way to becoming word-centered, God-centered, Christ-centered, God-glorifying men. If we do this, then our families will be firmly planted and our church will be. That's what we desire. And when the drought comes and the difficulties are there, we'll stand. So here's the lesson. Lost person, if you're lost, kiss the sun. Verse 12. Right? Psalm 2, verse 12. Take refuge in Jesus. I had the opportunity to preach in Guatemala. At a, and I was in a tin building. It, it's, I don't know how much bigger it was. I see Raymond up there, but it... Probably three times bigger than the, the house we built, maybe. It was full. And what text did I preach? No one can come to the Father unless the Son reveals it to him. And then he says, that sounds like a theological enigma. People don't like to hear that, that no one can come to the Father except through the Son. And who he reveals the Father to. That sounds difficult theologically. Then he turns around and says this. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. There's only two qualifications for coming to the Lord in that verse. Those who are weary and those who are burdened. Why? Because the Pharisees put on the people a burden according to the word of God that was unbearable. They taught them that you couldn't be right with God apart from the law. Jesus comes and says, I fulfilled the law. And by the works of the law will no man ever be justified. It's only through Christ who fulfilled the law. So it was Jesus who was calling that day. And I know it's my voice, but I'm telling you, he's calling today. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden. That's who's calling, but who is he calling? Again, everybody just burdened down with toilsome tiredness. And what is this rest for? Your soul. That's what Jesus says. What will he do for you if you come to him? Well, come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Guatemala is the only place I've ever seen a double yoke. You know what that is? We think about an oxen tied to one yoke that is single and pulling. 
But there's a double yoke. And I saw one in Guatemala. And what happens is they take a weaker oxen and they connect him to the stronger oxen. Are you listening? And it is the weaker one who learns from the stronger one. Why? Because you're yoked to the stronger one. There is none stronger than Christ. He says, learn of me. How do you learn of him? You're yoked to Jesus. Nobody knew how to obey the Father like Christ. When you're yoked to him, it's a delightful yoke. Why? It's easy. And it's light when you're yoked to Jesus. Are y'all listening this morning? Some of you fathers need rest. You don't know what it's like to have that spiritual rest. Only Jesus can reveal the Father to you. Only Christ has the power to say, come to me, and he can pull it off. Are you listening? That is a command. That's not a suggestion. The word come to me is an imperative command. In other words, the one who says come to me is the only one who has the power to effect the change in you in order for you to come. God does this. Come to me. So I tell you today, lost person, come to Jesus. He's the only one you can come to and take refuge. Psalm 2, trust him. And for believers, God help us have a desire for the word. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God and, and we thank you for the truth of scripture. Thank you, Jesus, that you have fulfilled the law of God for us. Thank you for your righteousness. Lord, we, we sang it today, Lord, how we need you. You must be our righteousness. Lord, if there's a lost father, or anybody for that matter here in this congregation, Lord, help them see the beauty of the gospel. Paul says, I declare of you of first importance that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. That's Jesus. That's the Son of God. Will be saved. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Father, you're still in the saving business. And Lord Jesus, you've paid the penalty. You've paid the price so that mankind can be saved. Lord, we trust you in salvation. Lord, for men, help us, Lord, all of us. We are weak at times. We, we know that. Paul said it. Lord, in our weakness, you are strong. Lord, help us as men. Lord, help us delight in your word. Help us to be a firmly planted, flourishing, fruitful Man of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in fact, we are going to sing that song. Let's stand together. Lord, I come, I confess. For most of us, this will be a song of commitment. For some of you, it may be a life-transforming decision. Lord, I come. Lord, I come. Yes, I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. Your 
as we sing this song, do you know how bad I wish I could save every one of you? Not in the power of the preacher. We need to be praying for the person to our left and right that God Almighty would touch hearts. He alone can save. If I could change your mind and your thoughts toward the gospel, I'd do it. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing through the word. Amen? Let's keep singing. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you and where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. I Amen. I love you. I preach hard. I know. But that's all right. You know, if I don't, I'm not telling you the truth. Amen. All right, church family. No service tonight. Uh, we didn't, I don't think we made that absolutely clear in the bulletin. But just as on Mother's Day, we never want to give more to the moms and the dads, right? Oh, yeah, we need to. Yeah, you're right. But no, no service this evening, okay? And so God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Uh, good to be back in town. appreciate Brother James preaching last week and Jeffrey uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, continue to pray for our church body. I see you, Don. We need anything? Y'all know that at the Southern Baptist Convention, they introduced him as Mayor Don. <laughs> Every single time they put it up, here comes Mayor Don. That's good. I'm glad they pick on him down there like we do here. Amen. All right. God bless y'all.